Okay, what we're doing. Um, If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Matthew chapter 5, please? Matthew chapter 5. We are going back there. We're in our sermon series, Hashtag Blessed, on the Beatitudes. We started this a few weeks back. If you want to catch up, all the stuff um, is online. Go back and have a listen to that. We're looking at this Hashtag Blessed because we recognize that the world puts a lot of things, says they're hashtag blessed if certain things happen. And we've seen that within the world, if you're hashtag blessed, it probably means that you've uh, got a promotion, a job, a new relationship, you bought some new toy or trinket, moved house, bigger house, newer car, all those things. And we wanted to see what the Bible has to say about that and what Jesus calls hashtag blessed and what it means to live in his kingdom. And so we've looked at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. We've seen Matthew has set Jesus up as a new Moses who's come to lead his people out of slavery. And a part of that is he is presenting a new law to his people. The Sermon on the Mount is the first incident of that in Matthew. There are five of them where Jesus is teaching. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, outlines the Beatitudes where he tells people what it means to be part of his kingdom what it looks like for them and he says they are blessed and the word blessed comes from the latin meaning happy or blissful it is a greek word that is difficult to translate into the english to get the full uh, sort of orb meaning of it and the english translators have settled on blessed most english translations use that word but what does that word blessed mean now if we skip back into our old testament and we go to psalm 1 verse 1 and we read there, we actually find a kind of an, a fuller explanation of this word. And it, says, it begins in Psalm 1, blessed, same word there, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And so the idea behind that word is the idea of flourishing, growth, fruit bearing. That's what it means to be blessed as part of God's kingdom. And we've been going through the Beatitudes one by one, looking at what it means to flourish, grow in God's kingdom. Today we are at the fourth one, which is in verse 6. So we looked at the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we found out that if you are hashtag blessed, when you recognize your need for Jesus. Then we looked at um, the next one about those who, um, who mourn. And we found out that we are hashtag blessed when we grieve the presence and effects of sin. And we find our comfort in God alone. And then last week we looked at uh, what it means for blessed are the meek. And we found out that I'm hashtag blessed when I walk in humility. Content with who I am and all that I have before God. And so this morning we're going to come into the fourth beatitude and we're going to notice the flow between them about what happens, what it's like when someone is humble before God, they grieve their sin, they recognize their lack, it produces a humble attitude and then we're going to look at what it is the next bit. So if you've got your Bible I'm going to read uh, the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5 And then we're going to dive in. So they're going to appear on the screen behind me. So we are going to read them all together. I'm going to count you in. Three, two, one. And then we will read along. So ready? Three, two, one, go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so what we're going to look at today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And we're going to break into two sections. Matt is going to look at the first half of that, and then I will come back and look at the second half. So over to you, Matthew. Thanks, Stuart. Um, Good morning, if you've not met before. My name is Matt. I have the wonderful privilege of being one of the elders here at Real Life Church part of the leadership team and it is a real privilege and honor to do that. So yes, I'm going to be looking at this first um, few words of um, this verse. Um, And our big idea for today is I am blessed when I'm desperate for more of Jesus. I thought I could hear something outside though. I'm sure there's someone waving at me through a window. I'm a little bit concerned. Hold on a sec. Oh, hold on. Thank you. Oh, is that? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, I appear to have in my hand a, a McDonald's oh, sausage and egg McMuffin hash brown and orange juice. Who, who ordered that? Who ordered it? Who's going to own up to ordering a sausage and egg McMuffin, hash brown and orange juice? I need to give it to someone. So who ordered it? Tim, did you order it? Well, come and get it then. There you go. It's all yours. Thank you. Okay, didn't realize we could order McDonald's to... um... There you go. Enjoy that, Tim. Have fun. So, anyone feeling hungry this morning? I, I'm looking at all the people that I know are doing Slimming World right now. And we, and I join with you, we cannot eat a sausage and egg McMuffin and deep fried hash brown. Sadness. Um, I was also supposed to be wearing a Fun Run t-shirt this morning, which I am actually wearing one of the old Fun Run t-shirts. But when I tried them on this morning, they were all just a little too tight. So I've been hungering a little bit too much. Um, So, hunger and thirst. Why has Jesus used this language? Hunger and thirst is a basic desire for things that we need. Not just something we want, but it's something we need. Without food and water, we will die. That is inevitable. Um, Scientists think we can survive now around three weeks without food, but having water, without food and water, about four days. It's a necessity. It is something we need for life. 
Um, Also, we live in a society today where I know there is poverty, there are people in need of shelter and food, but actually the people that Jesus was speaking to would have known um, hunger and thirst and poverty to a, a deeper, stronger level. They were dependent upon crops and animals and the weather. There was famine. There was drought. They could go months without food growing. They, a real, um, so the community he was speaking into, for them, this language of hunger and thirst really conjured up a sense of, wow, this is a life and death situation. Not just, uh, is Tim enjoying his uh, McDonald's at the back? Um, So it's a life and death longing, a daily need for life, for sustenance. We are dependent upon food and water. No one hopefully denies that we need food and water um, to survive. So it's a familiar concept. It's also an ongoing and ever-present concept, an ever-present need, i.e. Tim in about five minutes is going to feel quite full up. I'd say in about 10 minutes after that, he's going to feel a little bit rotten because there's probably a little bit of too much fat on that. And then because it was so salty and fatty, in about half an hour, he's going to be really thirsty, isn't he? Um, And we know that even I had my banana this morning, I'm going to feel hungry again today. I'm going to feel thirsty again today. So actually, hunger and thirst is an ongoing daily, ever present throughout the day need, not just a one-off thing that is satisfied. And Stuart will talk later about um, satisfaction. And it's something we act upon. Hunger is in us because it causes us to want to eat. So without hunger, I wouldn't eat. Um, Therefore, I would die. Without thirst, I wouldn't drink my body wouldn't be telling me to have a drink I'd probably forget and eventually I would die so hunger and thirst keep us alive they keep us going so this familiar language this life-giving language we're hungering and thirsting we understand how important that is and Jesus says we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness Um, It says in the message, it interprets as a good appetite for God. I like that, to have a good appetite for God. Most translations use the word righteousness, some use justice. But we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So first and foremost, let's be clear that the God we worship is perfectly righteous and just. It is his character. It's who he is. So as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we are hungering and thirsting for him and his righteousness. Morally, spiritually, ethically, socially, he is perfect in every single way. And the first life-sustaining act of righteousness in our lives um, when we are saved and we receive the gift of righteousness from Jesus. We're always going to fall short of what God requires of us in terms of right conduct and righteousness. Even once we're saved, that's true. But on the day of judgment, he's not going to look at us and our righteousness. He is going to look at Jesus and his perfect righteousness. And that is his gift, his grace extending to us. It's called justification. When we receive it, it's the only way for us to be perfectly righteous before a perfectly righteous God. Okay, And that's not something we earn by acts. It's not something we earn by doing and striving. It is something we get as a gift when we acknowledge Jesus as Savior, repent of our sins, and make a decision to follow him, which many people in this room have done. Um, If you've never made that decision, 
that and that kind of acknowledgement that the righteousness of Jesus gives us eternal life. Please do talk to us. We have the Ask Anything event coming up at Alpha on the 5th of March. Talk to Rob, talk to Paul, talk to Hannah, talk to any of us, Charlotte. Talk to anyone about that event because we can find out more about Jesus there. So in these Beatitudes, Jesus is talking about daily living conduct of the believer that leads to a life is hashtag blessed. So the believer has received this gift of righteousness, and that is certain. So we've also seen that in terms of our daily outworking of this, that we are poor in spirit. We recognize poverty without Jesus in our lives. We mourn the sin in our lives, and we're comforted by him. We are to be humble and acknowledge our need for him. And now, as a result of all this recognition, we want our lives, we want to live our lives for Jesus. We want to hunger and thirst for his righteousness and him in our lives. We want to live our lives for the king of the kingdom we live in, to recognize him, and we want to pursue Jesus. And as we hunger and thirst and pursue Jesus, it will change our attitudes. It will change our behavior. It will affect the way we live on this earth. And there, there has to be an action. My hunger is satisfied when I eat. My thirst is satisfied when I drink. My hunger and thirst for righteousness is satisfied when I pursue Jesus, when I go after Jesus, when I go after and do things that I know he has said are good for me. So there's an action in this. And that ongoing transformation within us, which is called sanctification, is how we live our lives on this earth. So by the grace of God, um, as we hunger and thirst for him, he's going to work in us. He's going to work through us. He's going to change our hearts, renew our desires, transform us from the inside, giving us a new hunger, a new thirst. Because remember, in Christ, we are a new creation. His Holy Spirit lives within us and is at work within us, shaping, transforming our character, our moral perspective, and our social conscience. And his righteousness is an ever-present need in our lives, just like food and water. As we live in this world, we need him. We need our shepherd to guide us. As we live in his kingdom, desperately pursuing him and his righteousness, hungering for kingdom priorities, we naturally want to be more like the king. As we live in his kingdom, we want to be more like the king. We want to pursue what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. Um, so Jesus, later in the same chapter, um, says to the people he's speaking to, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a little bit scary. But let's side note that. Remember, our justification, our position before God is certain. He has gifted us with the righteousness of Jesus. We are saved for all eternity. We have eternal life when we accept him into our lives and accept that. But Jesus here is talking about, again, the Pharisees who had been putting the pursuit of their acts of righteousness above their pursuit of God. So as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, they were hungering and thirsting to look good, to sound good, to look the best people, to pursue the acts and the things they were doing. They've kind of got it back to front. 
Um, the hunger and thirst we're looking at here is we're pursuing Jesus, who, whose righteousness, I'll say that again, we're pursuing Jesus, whose righteousness has secured our place in eternity. That leads us to act differently in this world. We don't pursue the acts of righteousness themselves. That comes out of our relationship with pursuing Jesus. Um, so hunger and thirst for righteousness is about hunger and thirsting for he who is righteous, our king, Jesus, our God, who is righteous and living with a transformed heart. Um, I'm going to hand back over to Stuart in a minute and say what this kind of results in in our lives as we pursue Jesus. But there are some examples. If you keep reading through the same um, chapter, I think it's around verse 20, that actually as we live our lives, he goes beyond the commandments more than just not to kill, but not to sustain anger and to seek peace. More than not to commit adultery, but not to look at a person lustfully. I like this one. I think this next one's a real challenge. More than not just keeping our oaths and our promises, but also be the kind of people that don't need to take oaths to be trusted. I want to be the kind of person that when I say someone, I will help them. They know I will help them. I don't have to take an oath to promise that. So the outworking of our pursuit of him and his righteousness, our hunger and thirst, is that we will then look different in this world. That's kind of the order of our pursuit and what happens. Showing mercy to others, being pure in heart. So we're going to pursue the righteousness of the king of the kingdom as we hunger and thirst for God and for his righteousness to change us from the inside. Um, he's looking for those that know us, know him, sorry, love him, who hunger and thirst to be more like him in this world. That is what it is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Back to Stuart. Okay, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus then goes on to say, for they shall be satisfied. For they shall be satisfied. So we've got a flow here. Jesus is saying, blessed, flourishing are those who recognize their poverty in spirit. They will then grieve for their sin. They will then be humble in their attitude, meek. We looked at that last time. And the result of that is a hungering and thirsting after God, after his goodness, after his character, after everything that there is about him. And then the promise comes for they shall be satisfied. We've seen previously in the Beatitudes the language of for they shall be is exclusive language. It basically means them and them alone. So whatever comes after that is only for the people before that. So those who are blessed are flourishing are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness and what comes after it is satisfaction and the only people who receive satisfaction are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so what does it mean to be satisfied? Well, the language used there is one that's commonly used in terms of physical food. So it links with what we came before about hungering and thirsting. You get satisfied when you eat. If we go to Mark chapter 6, we find at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus multiplied the loaves. He multiplied the fishes. Everyone had something to eat, the 5,000 men plus the others. And it says in verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. So there is a language there. And we all know what it means to be satisfied with good food. Yesterday, I had this experience. Um, on Saturday, my boys play football. 
which is just one of those things. But what that means as super dad is I have to get them to where they are, need to go so they can play football. And the message came through this week, you need to be at the pitch by 8.20 in the morning on a Saturday. Thank you for the gasp. Yes, that's how I felt, but Super Dad stepped up. So I got up, dragged myself out of my pit on a Saturday morning, like, right, got ready, got out, forgot to have breakfast, got him to pitch side for 8.20, so the pre-match warm-up, and then he played in the game. That was fine, but then because it's just one of those days. My other son was playing in a match straight after it. So Melanie came down, brought second child, took first child home. I watched the second child play. And then Melanie came at the end of that game, picked us all up, took us home. And it was like nearly one by this point. And can I tell you, I was hungering. <laughs> and I was thirsting at that point. And I got home. And it's like, how did the boys play? I think, I don't care. Where's the food? Where's the food? What's going on? Melanie, because she's amazing, she had made brunch for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was sausages, and there was bacon, and there was hash browns, and there was tomatoes, and there was mushrooms, and there was baked beans, and there was a big mug of tea. And do you know what? It didn't last long. But at the end of it, I was satisfied because I had eaten and had my fill. But when Jesus is talking now, he's not talking about physical satisfaction that we get from food. He's using the imagery to point at something else. Because Jesus says, if we go to John 4.34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so when Jesus is talking about food and satisfaction here, and it's linked to righteousness, he's not talking about physical consumption, as good as that can be, and as wonderful as that can be. But he's talking about something beyond that. And there is a satisfaction that comes from the pursuit of God and his kingdom and all the outworkings of that that is like satisfaction to food, but it is different. It is a more than a physical satisfaction, there is a spiritual satisfaction. So those who flourish in God's kingdom are those who pursue the things of God. And as a result of that, they find satisfaction. They find fulfillment. They find that wholeness and that completeness that comes only from our, our connection with God who created us. And so another way of phrasing this one, you could say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as though their life depended on it. Blessed are those who are going to die unless they find God. Because the only way that can be satisfied is in God. You want physical satisfaction, go eat something. You want spiritual satisfaction, you have to go to God. Our family verse as a family is Mark 6.33, where it says that we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There's a connection there. And that's our family verse. We've had it since Mel and I got married, and now the boys are older. Whenever we do Bible and prayer in the evening before bed, one of the things we do now is our declaration. We ask our youngest, Asher, count us in, three, two, one, and we all say, we will seek first his kingdom. That is what we're about. And it's a reminder to us, mommy and daddy, that this is what we came together to be. We are a team on a mission and we are catching our kids up into it. And sometimes when we look at God and we look at his commands and him teaching, we look at God as a killjoy 
or the stern headmaster who's just waiting to whack us when we get it wrong, rather than a father who is trying to do good for you. And one of the ways he does good for you is he tells you what you need. He tells you what you need. If you want to be satisfied, you want to find fulfillment, you want to find wholeness, where do you go? You come to me. Because in that place, you will find satisfaction. And so for us to live, to us to flourish in the kingdom, to be hashtag blessed, is for us to pursue God. Because only in there and there alone will we find satisfaction. And so when we read in our Bibles, when we hear preachers say things like, forsake your sin, pursue holiness, it's not about looking good or keeping the rules It's about finding flourishing and satisfaction in God and enjoying life the way he designed it. The more we live like Jesus, the more we pursue Jesus, the more we find ourselves hashtag blessed and flourish in his kingdom. When we read, we did a series on the Ten Commandments a little while back and we looked at them And the reason God gave those to his people was this is how you live. This is how you flourish in the land I'm going to give you. This is how you live your best life. By doing these things, by following these rules, making me number one. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods but... Because that's where you're going to find it. That's where you're going to find your satisfaction. That's where you're going to find your wholeness. When we serve the poor and the outcast and the broken... When we see God's character, when we are transformed and we realize he's had mercy on us when we were broken and we were out and we were sinful and we are so captivated by that and then we then choose to pour that out on others, that is where we find our satisfaction and our flourishing. That is where we met our needs are met in him. When we build our relationship with our heavenly father, when we read our Bible and we read and we pray to him, it's not just because that's what Christians do, and if you don't do that, you're not a good Christian. And some of you came here this morning thinking, I didn't read my Bible, and I didn't pray today, and I was pretty ropey this week. The reason God asks you that is not so you can tick the boxes. It's so that where you can find your satisfaction, where you can find your contentment, where you can find your wholeness, where you find your peace, in those situations. When we seek to forgive others and seek reconciliation, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But God says we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. We are to seek to reconcile. We are seek to be peacemakers. We'll come to that later in the Beatitudes. But when we do that, That is where we find our connection to God. That is when we find our satisfaction. That is when we flourish and grow because we are living out his kingdom on the earth. When we invest in God's family and we build with other believers in the church, we find a place of relationship and belonging and understanding and connection where we get filled up spiritually. It never ceases to amaze me when I gather with God's people and we worship together and we lift up his name and I hear the word of God. It does something to my soul. I can drag myself in here, but when I leave, it's like I've had that meal and I haven't touched one of the biscuits yet. 
I will when we're done. But I can get that satisfaction that only comes from him and being with him. When we speak out for injustice in our homes and our schools and our workplaces, when we work out the character of God because we've been so arrested by who he is, we see his kingdom come. We find our satisfaction in serving him. When we tell others of the good news of Jesus and we share what we've got and we point out this is the way that you are to live your life in relation to him, not into the things of this world. They don't define us, he does. And we bring it to him. That is how we flourish and grow in God's kingdom. That is how we find our fulfillment. That is how we find our satisfaction. And we come to our kind of we come with a choice as believers. We can live and choose to find our satisfaction in the world with our homes and our experiences and our partners and our gadgets and our products that we buy and the, the relationships we have. And we find that's where I'm going to find my satisfaction, the things of this world. But if we take a step back, we'll realize, theologically speaking, there was a reason why the Rolling Stones sang, I can't get no Satisfaction. You think, well, of course you can't. <laughs> You're not looking in the right place. You haven't read Matthew 5, verse 6, where Jesus says, actually, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. But when Jesus says, You're not to find your satisfaction in the things of this world, you are to find your satisfaction in the things that are not of this world, i.e., Him. He's the place you find your satisfaction. He's the place you do it. And the promise of God is, is when you come to me, you will find it. You will not be left alone. You will not be left hungry. And Jesus himself made this point. When he spoke to the woman at the well, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. John 7, 37, Jesus stood up on the last day of the feast, the great day, and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We find our satisfaction in one place and one place alone, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes to us and says, come to me. Hunger and thirst for me. Direct your appetites towards me. It's why it's good we encourage fasting in the church. When we have our prayer meetings, we say, why don't you fast today? Because you put aside earthly appetites of food, which are so necessary and present. I would never realize how much food is around when I'm trying to deny myself it. It's everywhere and it's tempting you. But what we do when we put down physical appetites is we turn our appetites and we heighten and turn the dial up our spiritual appetites and say, God, you are better and more important and more long-lasting and more fulfilling than anything this world can give me, as good as it may be. And I will not let good things of this world become God things that I worship and give my time to because that's reserved for one person and I give it to him. And him alone. And so as men and women of God, we are to hunger and thirst for the things of God. We are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
Everything about him, everything about his nature, his character, and his actions, we are to pursue because we know ultimately when we do that, and that alone will we find our satisfaction, our wholeness, and our goodness. All right, Matt, do you want to? So, um, So at that point, we need to ask the obvious question, don't we? You know we're going to ask this question. What do you hunger and thirst for? It's, a, it's an obvious question to ask out of this passage, and I think there's been some great examples there that Stuart's gone through in terms of satisfaction, where we find that satisfaction. But let's just pause at the end of this time and just say, what do the actions, attitudes, priorities, behavior in your life indicate about what you really hunger and thirst for? How dependent upon Jesus are you? Are you pursuing him desperately as your need for daily living, daily bread, living water, life and satisfaction. And if you had to answer that question out loud, which I'm not going to ask you to do, would your answer be, I hunger and thirst for Jesus? That is my hunger, that is my thirst. Or would it be family, relationships, work, career, money, success, popularity? They're not all necessarily bad things, But actually, if we pursue Jesus first, it's going to bring so much more satisfaction into all the other areas of my life. If I pursue Jesus first, I will be a better husband. If I pursue Jesus first, I will be a better dad. So, are you here today even because you're hungry and thirsty to know more of him? Or are you here just out of duty, just out of this is what I do, this is out of routine. You know, Did you come today thinking, man, I'm hungry to meet more of Jesus? Man, I'm hungry to meet Jesus today. Or did you get up this morning and think it's Sunday, so I'm going to go to church? And it's okay. We're going to go through seasons of life, and please do come back every week. Don't not come because you're not feeling like, man, I'm hungry and thirsty for Jesus today. I've said before, when I was going through depression and different phases of life, I came here out of duty. Because to come here out of duty was better than to not come here at all, be amongst God's people. But actually, where I want to get to is I'm coming to church, I'm waking up on a Sunday morning going, man, I want more of Jesus today. Man, I want to meet with him today. I don't know why there's a lot of mans in that, but you know what I mean. Um, So, you know, we're all going to be here for different reasons. But I think that mindset change is important. I was praying it on the car on the way here today. Jesus, I'm hungry and thirsty to meet with you today. Not just to hang out with my mates and worship together. Not just to play or to preach. I'm hungry for you, Jesus. Just trying to change my mindset as I come in. And sometimes maybe we just need to remind ourselves why we do these things. And just remind ourselves why we come. And the same is true, isn't it, of life group prayer meetings, when you fast, when you pray out loud, when you go to work, when you go to school as you parent, am I hungering and thirsting for Jesus and his transformative righteousness in all of these places? What's my motivation? And perhaps, without being rude, if you leave a Sunday morning feeling really unsatisfied, maybe you need to go back to your original mindset and think, why did I come to church in the first place? Why did I come here in the first place? Maybe my motive was wrong from the outset, which is why I've left unsatisfied. And actually, if I come here hungering and thirsting for Jesus 
Stuart says, I'm going to leave satisfied because I'm going to encounter Jesus with his people. I think, Stuart, can I hand back to you and the prayer that I might do when the rest of the youth come back up? All right, last bit and we'll finish. So we just got to ask ourselves a question. Uh, what gets in the way of this? What gets in the way of it? And I just want to poke a few things and then we'll do a response and then we'll, we'll worship together. Because it's good to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's how we flourish. That's how we grow, Jesus says. But actually, sometimes it's not quite as easy and straightforward as that. And sometimes we do things that get in the way of that. One of them could be unconfessed sin. Jesus promised us that when we confess our sin, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But sometimes we hold on to it. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to turn away. And as a result, that can get in the way. That can mess up our relationship with God. That can alter our perspective of him. And so if you know there are things in your life, and it'll be obvious because you're thinking of them now, bring them to the Lord. Confess your sin, come to him and he will satisfy you. Sometimes it can just be simple pride. We don't think we need him. We've got it. We live in the 21st century West where we can pretty much do anything. We've got scientific advancement and medical advancement and technological advancement. We've got it covered. Why do I need God? Maybe there's some pride in your life where actually I'm pretty much doing okay, God. I don't need you. Do you need to deal with that? Sometimes the things of this world are just so cool and good that actually they just consume us. And we are so blinded by them that we do not get to, we do not lift our eyes up to see God as the ultimate source, our ultimate treasure. And I'll say this one quietly because I've been tempted to think this over the years. Sometimes you just think God's a liar. And you don't think you can find your satisfaction in him. Because you see all the other things of the world and we are bombarded by it all day, all night. That actually you think, if I put my faith and trust in him, if I come to him and I pursue him and I hunger and thirst for him, am I actually going to receive? Am I actually going to find? Am I actually going to have connection and relationship will I find my satisfaction and the temptation is to badly and no, no one would ever say it like this but actually sometimes we're tempted to think God you don't tell the truth you just want me to suffer or you want you're waiting for me to mess up and some of you need to adjust your relationship your concept of God we said at the beginning of the series one of the things we want to do is you need to set the posture of your heart I want you to set the posture of your heart today to a father who loves you and is for you and wants the best for you and wants you to flourish and grow. And if any of you have ever had responsibility for children or been around children, whether they're your own or your grandparent or your auntie and uncle or your looked after children, you want the best for them because you love them. And that is a minuscule insight to the heart of God towards his people. And the love he has for them. And so what I'm going to do, we're going to, can the band come up? Can you guys stand up? We're going to pray. And you're going to do some business with the Lord, as am I. And then we're going to worship him together. And so there's a bunch of stuff there. So maybe if you just do what's comfortable for you, closing your eyes, opening your hands, just adjusting yourself so you're putting your eyes on him whatever that takes, and I just want to lead us 
in some time together. So Holy Spirit of God, we pray, we ask that you would come now amongst your people, presence yourself here, fill us with your spirit. Lord God, we want to say we are a people who want to flourish in your kingdom. We want to be hashtag blessed as defined by you, Lord. And we want to be men and women who hunger and thirst after righteousness, after your kingdom, after your character, after your nature, after you, Lord Jesus. We want to be men and women who pursue you with the same way we would pursue food if we were hungry, even greater than that, Lord God. And we want to make that declaration today. We will seek first your kingdom. But Lord, we recognize that there are things in our life that get in the way, things we do, things we say, things we act that that just aren't right, God. And we want to confess our sins to you today. And if you know what they are, specific things, I'd love you just to do that now. I confess before you, Lord, that I'm tempted to believe that you don't tell the truth, that actually I won't find my satisfaction in you and I need the things of this world to get me satisfied. God, I confess that before you and say, God, forgive me. Do your business with the Lord now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and you will Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord God, we want to say as your people now, we want to hunger and thirst for you. And we're going to express it through song and response. And say, God, we are going to be men and women who seek first your kingdom. We want to be men and women who flourish in your kingdom. Do our hashtag blessed in your kingdom. And God's people said, <laughs>